Pastor Xavier Reese and the proper practice of your faith. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. God will reward us according to the motive. He's not going to be impressed of how much we have done or what we've done. He's going to be interested, why did I do it and how did I do it? Was it agape love? Was it for the benefit of others? Understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Bible clearly states that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But there are some things that can separate us from fellowship with other believers. And Pastor Xavier says this sometimes happens by the way we choose to practice the freedom of our faith. Take a moment and grab a notebook. And open up your Bible to Romans for today's important Simple Truth study. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 12, and the message entitled, Liberty Through Conscience. Paul has just declared the reason the believer submits to the authority of the land and love his neighbors because Jesus is coming. Therefore he walks in the day and in the light, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and not making provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And now he moves to discuss the problems that can arise between believers who are weak in the faith and those who are strong in the faith, that of judging one another. Specifically give us a few specifics and we'll make application for it. But um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to non-believers is when they're approached with the gospel at times is the lack of grace and love towards one another. Look at verse 1. The believer is to be characterized by looking out for others. Listen to the words. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. The command is to receive the one who is weak in the faith. Notice the individual is not weak in faith, but in the faith. The believer is to know that Christians will not always agree in a matter of conscience. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak... It's only vegetables. The one individual who is strong believes he may eat all things. He has no problem. The individual sees no restriction regarding what he eats. He can eat pig. He can eat uh, seafood. He can eat worms. He can eat crickets, pig's feet, whatever. No problem. The other individual who is weak eats only vegetables. This is their firm conviction before the Lord. They merely do not have the freedom to eat all things. Their conscience would be defiled. And they believe they would sin. That limited liberty doesn't affect my liberty. It's a personal restriction. Why am I trying to restrict them in a broader way? Now the tension is between the Christian Jews and the Gentile Christians. Because the Jews are coming out of the Mosaic law and they're kosher. And the Gentiles are coming out of the world and they eat everything. Okay? Now, notice verse 3. The believers individually and their individual conscience must be mutually respected. Now, the stronger or more mature Christian is addressed first. Notice the believer 
who has the freedom to eat all things, is not to look down on the believer who does not eat all things. Now the attitude of looking down with contempt on the weaker one speaks of pride. Comparing oneself with the person having a weaker conscience and exalting oneself over the person with the weaker conscience. That's the problem. Now notice the weaker or the least mature Christian then is addressed secondly. So there's responsibility on both sides. The believer who does not have the freedom to eat all things is not to criticize him who eats all things. They are both saved by grace through faith. This has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with things of conscience. They're both being true to their conviction of conscience. And God honors both. Now notice secondly, you have the principle of judging and liberty. Four through six. Look at four. The individuals here is rebuked by judging another man's servant. Who are you to judge another man's servant to his own master? He stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. The weak is rebuked for judging the stronger believer in faith as non-spiritual. When in fact, the Lord has accepted him because he's the Lord's house slave. We don't belong to each other. We're in the same family, but we belong to the Lord. He's our master. Now notice the individual stands or falls on his own master. Or to his own master here. Christ is the master of every believer. Christ is the one who judges his servant. You know why? Because I can only judge your actions. I can't judge your heart. Now look in verse 6. The individuals exercising their liberty do so as to the Lord. The Christian is free as to the choice of days. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Any day that an individual sets aside for the Lord is according to one's conscience and devotion to the Lord. It doesn't matter. Now, on the other hand, anyone who does not set a certain day aside to the Lord, they're not condemned. Not being convicted. They're free. Doesn't matter. The most likely inference again is to the tension between the Jew and the Gentiles who had become Christians. For there is no specific feast mentioned, Sabbaths, no sacrifice to idols at all in Romans. It's a whole different context. Now notice the Christian is free as to his choice of food also. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. So the one who eats meat does it with full and complete freedom of conscience, and he gives God thanks. And God accepts that, and he's pleased with the individual. The person has no problem eating anything. He has no thought in his mind that he's sinning against God and his liberty. On the other hand, the one who eats not meat, does so with full and complete conviction also, and he gives God thanks at the same time. The person has a problem eating meat, believing he is sinning against God if he exercises that greater liberty. So when he's true to his conscience, God is pleased with him. He accepts them. You remember Peter at Joppa in Acts 10? Good kosher Jew? Jesus says, take, kill, and eat. He says, not so, Lord. Contradiction. Now, he used the Mosaic law of kosher law 
to show Peter that he was going to open the gates in the door to the Gentile going to the house of Cornelius. He made a parallel to teach him that, okay? But nevertheless, we get the example there. Peter about died when he heard that. Not so, Lord. I never let a hamburger touch my lips. It would defile him. Now, both are accepted by God, notice that, by being true to their liberty. In fact, later on in chapter 14, verse 14, Paul says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So you have the freedom to eat whatever you want. Pray over it. I've got blessed. That's it. No problem. You remember Paul confronted Peter over at Antioch in Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14. Because they were teaching at Antioch and Peter came up and Peter was over at the Gentile table. And he was eating with the Gentile. I'm sure he's eating pork chops. No big deal. But then some Jews came down from Jerusalem and he saw them and he felt intimidated and he tiptoed over to the kosher table. And then Paul looked at him and he saw Barnabas tiptoeing right after him too. He stumbled Barnabas. And Paul got in Peter's face. He said, how dare you? You preach Christ Jesus. There's no distinction. It makes no difference. And here you're walking both sides of the street. So he confronted because he was a hypocrite. Not that he was exercising his liberty. He was being a hypocrite. He was walking on both sides. That's different. There are many other areas that can be applied to the same principle of judging and liberty. There are people who feel free to dance and others wouldn't think of dancing. Now, I'm not talking about perverted, crazy dancing, okay? Cochino ugam ugam, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about regular dancing, okay? And maybe you would feel free to go out with your wife on your anniversary or something and you dance or whatever, or you, you know, whatever it is. But someone wouldn't dare. They, they would think, man, if I'm dancing, Jesus comes back, I'm dead. Why would I want to, come on, come on, get out there, you know, let's cut some rug. You know, why would I want to push you? It would be wrong for the one to judge the other who would have the liberty to dance. It would be equally wrong for one to provoke the other who felt the constraint. Now, there are other people who have the liberty to go to movies or have television. Now, once again, I'm not talking about Perverted stuff. I'm not talking about nudity or vulgarity. I'm talking about something that's entertaining. Even though it would be just entertainment, some Christians do not have the liberty. Some Christians do not have a television in their home. They just feel it's Satan's box. You understand? And I understand that probably 99.9 is, okay? So you got to be very selective on what you're going to watch, okay? But... Um, for one to judge the other who has that liberty is wrong. And for one who has the liberty, it would be wrong to flaunt that before the one who doesn't have it, right? The motive is not love. It's pride and provocation now. There are others who have a problem with dress, jewelry, and makeup. And again, they take it out of context from the Old Testament. Some are legalists. They think that a woman must wear dresses to cover their neck down to their ankle. Now, I believe that you can be fashionable ladies, modest, not flaunting what God has endowed you with. Simple. 
And still others believe makeup is wrong and that it's a mark of being really worldly, which goes along with dress and jewelry. Now, makeup is good. It's good. <laughs> the word makeup comes from the word cosmos, cosmetics, bringing things out of order into order. It's good. It's good. The late J. Vernon McGee on his radio broadcast always say, I always think that a, a barn always looks better, at least with one coat of paint. <laughs> but again, everything in moderation. Make sure you don't make us think that the circus is in town. You know what I mean? Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says. You glorify God in what you do. There are those who smoke, even drink occasionally. I call them sipping saints. <laughs> I put smoking in the same category as gluttony. It affects your health and causes other health problems. They affect you. They're not going to affect me. Okay? It's your choice, right? If you smoke... Can you get it to heaven? Sure you can. You're just going to have yellow fingers while you're here. Your clothes are going to stink. And you may die of cancer and beat me to heaven, but it's up to you. I mean, be careful how you exercise your liberty, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you some principles that Paul gives. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, all things are lawful for me. You're all free to do anything. But all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of of any. I don't want to be in bondage to anything. The other one is 1 Corinthians 10.23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. I want to do what doesn't bring me into bondage, and I want to do what builds me up. And others. Simple. Again, he says to the Colossians, in Colossians 2.16 and 17, So let no one judge you in fruit or in drink, or regard as the festival or new, new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Everything was prophetic of Christ. He fulfilled it. Later on, he speaks about these legalism of asceticism, denying yourself food. In Colossians 2, 21 and 23, he says, Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments of doctrines of men. Not the doctrines of Scripture. And listen, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh, your sin nature. You're still a rotten sinner. You just don't eat certain foods. You're still a sinner. They don't help you not be a sinner. They give you an appearance of being holy, but you're, you're wholly wrong. Hebrews 13.9 says, Do not be carried away with various strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established with grace, not with foods which have no profit, or have not profited those who have been occupied with them. doesn't make you closer to God. doesn't make you more spiritual. The principle of judging and liberty is a caution to all. All of us. Now notice thirdly and last. Verse 7 through 12, the principle of responsibility and accountability. Verse 7 to 9, no Christian is to live or die to himself, but to the Lord. The goal of the believer is not to do his own will, 
to live selfishly. Listen, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Now, most people interpret this to say that if, if you live the way you want, you're going to stumble others. This is not the context. Living for self, that was the old life of sin and self. Now a believer is to live for the Lord and others. That's the context. Now look at verse 8. The goal of the believer is to do the will of God, living sacrificially. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Living to the Lord for His purposes and His glory. Dying to the Lord for others' edification and benefit. Even unto physical death. Now the good understanding of the believer is that he or she is the Lord's possession, whether he lives or dies, after the example of Christ. Look at verse 8 there. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. He's our master. The conclusion is that we are the Lord's. He is mentioned three times in the verse. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. We do not belong to ourselves. We do not belong to each other. We're related. We're interdependent. But we don't belong to each other. We belong to the Lord. We are saved as instruments of God's righteousness. Romans 6 told us that. Now notice the two applications are clear. Whether we are alive on the earth, we are living sacrifices unto God. Whether we lose our life on earth, we do so as living sacrifices to God. Either way. To live is Christ and to die is gain, Paul said in Philippians 1.6. Look at 9. The death of Christ was for this very purpose. For, this, for to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Christ died and rose out from the dead to save and transform us. Not that we remain the same. Now look at verse 10 through 12. The individual is rebuked for judging his brother in the family of God. The weak is rebuked for judging his brother, the stronger in faith. But why do you judge your brother? Then the stronger is rebuked for showing contempt for his weaker brother. Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Both of them. And the reason being that we will all stand before the bema seat of Christ. The judgment seat. The word judgment, bema, is a race platform for the official judge. The context here is it's the divine judge, Jesus Christ. This word is used for the judgment seat, a little race platform for Pilate, Galileo, and Festus in Matthew and in Acts. This is divine judgment for the believer, not for the non-believer. This is not the white throne. This is for the believer for reward. The authority behind the teaching of Scripture. Listen. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. The context is everybody will bow. All the nations. By inspiration, Paul picks this up and he uses it for the believer to bow before the Lord to receive compensation according to the motives of the heart. You and I can't do this, but Paul by inspiration did. You understand? The quote is Isaiah 45, 23. But the application is to the acknowledgement and confession of our motives here. Now notice the reality of the judgment is that every believer will be in a, uh, give an account of his own life to God. I will have to go before the Lord and I will have to give an account for my motives and the things I did. So each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Verse 12 says. 
a voice over the phone said, um, I sent my little boy James to your store for five pounds of apples. And I find on weighing them that you only sent four and a quarter pounds. The grocer said, Madam, my scales are regularly inspected and are correct. Have you weighed your little boy? Things aren't always what they seem to be. We just don't know sometimes. The believer is to be a servant of all, never to himself. The believer is to put on the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. And listen what it says here. Verse 3 says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. The believer will have to give an account of himself. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The word bad indicates that which is lacking a person regarding quality, character, worthlessness, wrong motives, not out of love, selfish. The word good agatho describes that which is good in character, beneficial. The motive is good. The motive is for others. The motive is agape love. And the motive is always agape love, by which is the asset test of what I do. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. God will reward us according to the motive. He's not going to be impressed of how much we have done or what we've done. He's going to be interested, why did I do it and how did I do it? Was it agape love? Was it for the benefit of others? Understand? He will reveal the hidden things of darkness. He will reveal the counsel, the motives of the heart. And God will praise the individual for the proper motives and reward him accordingly. If it's not for selfish ambition. Without agape love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is to constrain me. 1 Corinthians 5.14 For those that are lost. The event is for every believer, the beam of seed of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, the foundation is Christ. Verse 11 says, The materials by which Christians will put in the fire is wood, hay, stubble, silver, gold, and precious stone. Wood, hay, stubble, put it in there, poof, burned up, worthless, wrong motives. Silver, gold, precious stone, right motives. You get rewarded. You may lose all reward, but your are us by fire because the beam of seed is now for salvation is for reward. The motives of the heart. And so, the principle of responsibility and accountability for compensation will affect all. So we want to make sure we do what we do for the right reasons and motives here. You understand? And when we're wrong, we apologize. We ask forgiveness and we get it right. Some people in the Lord have a hard time saying, I'm sorry, acknowledging their errors. They justify, they point everything else, but they never. So their relationships are not right. If your race is right with God, you're going to be right with man. But if you're not right with man, it shows me you're not right with God. You're not taking the most important, the priority. If you don't ask God for forgiveness, you're not going to ask people for forgiveness. And if you're not right with people, you're deceiving yourself that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The believer's liberty in Christ through conscience as a living sacrifice is given to us here in these three pair of principles. The principle of acceptance and conscience is applicable to all. The principle of judging and liberty is a caution to all. And the principle of responsibility and accountability for compensation 
will affect all. It's up to us, isn't it? May God give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of living out your faith by practice and not by compulsion. And if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig deeper into its teaching, or perhaps to pass on to a friend, it's titled, Liberty Through Conscience. You can request a CD for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Liberty Through Conscience. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 